Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Cinematic Adventures, because it's Jackie's birthday. Woo! Here's the fun part about that. Daniel has no idea what we're about to talk about. I'm very confused, because you're like, action, 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 rom-com, action, so, some other stuff. You get okay, me a so bunch of stuff. To set the stage... When after last week, they were, we were like, okay, what are we gonna do next week? And I was like, well, it'll technically be my birthday, so let's do a birthday episode. And he's like, okay. And immediately after, he's like, okay, so then, so, so what are we gonna talk about? And I was like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. Okay, so what are we gonna talk about? And I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like for like two, three days. Okay, I need to know what you're gonna talk about because I haven't seen all of your movies. So I just randomly go, hey, make sure you've seen this movie. And uh, make sure you've seen these movies. And uh, I'm sure you've seen this movie, right? Yeah, you've seen that movie. And then he's like freaking out, like, why are you just throwing random movies at me? To be fair, that last bit, I'm like, I want, uh, it's more of a, it's less of a panic, oh, why are you doing this to? I wonder what you're planning. Yeah, no idea. See, he's a structure person and I am the spontaneous person, which is why it's I, funny. I don't mind you being spontaneous. No structure. I don't want you being spontaneous. I just want to make sure that I've seen the movie we're going to talk about. Okay. So good. Then we're going to be spontaneous. So the actual topic for this week is my favorite movies. Oh, fun. Yeah. So all those movies that I was like, you've seen that, right? (laughs) The answer to most of them was yes, which was a great (laughs) thing. I'm like, finally, I only have to see two movies. Woohoo! Um, one of yeah. which I adored, by the way. I didn't love that movie. The one that was yeah, it's about. okay. So the movie that we're talking about, or that he's talking about, is The Mayor Has Two Faces, and it's one of my favorite movies, mainly because I one hundred percent identify with the character Rose. Like that is me if I were if I didn't like quit college and just went ahead, you know, went all the way through, I would have been Rose. Oh, that, I, that was me. <laughs> I, I, okay, so it's your movie. Explain what it's about. <laughs> um, okay, so Rose is somewhere in her mid to late 40s, right? She is single. She lives in like a Manhattan apartment with her mother, and her sister is getting married again. This time to a man that Rose herself was attracted to, but she made the mistake of introducing to her narcissistic sister. And of course, her sister took him. But she didn't so much take him as he kind of willingly went with her. Um, and because he kind of friend zoned Rose, and Rose thought she might have had a chance. Um, and so we see the wedding, and, you know, it kind of tears her apart because she still has feelings for the guy, but, you know, whatever. He's going to get married to her sister. And her mother's also a narcissist. And her father is gone. Um, and she attempts to go on dates, but with guys that are, you know, kind of beneath her station. They're, they're not a bad guy, but he's just, she's just not interested in him. He's boring as hell. And she has a best friend that she hangs out with on occasion. And um, she's a professor at uh, Columbia. And one day her sister decides to enter her into this, um, I don't like it's not really like a, a relationship ad. 
Yeah, like I thought she just put an yeah. ad in the paper, being like, "Hey, I'm single, and uh, look at my hair." Yeah. So okay, at the same time, there's this guy named Gregory who was also a professor at the college at uh, Columbia University, um, but he has a problem. His problem is that he is obsessed. Okay, first of all, he is absolutely gorgeous, and he's half of a genius, and he is absolutely obsessed with beautiful women. And he turns into a bumbling idiot when they're around, which is why I said half of a genius. Because if he could stay away from women, he'd be 100% a genius. But <laughs> every time a woman, yeah, every yeah. time a woman, like a beautiful woman, enters his sights, he just his brain melts. Ugh. And he he can't understand why. And so his best friend is like, "You're an idiot." That's that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> right. So he, um, and he told, you know, he has to give the speech. He's written a book and he's um, doing, you know, a press junket for it. And he tells his best friend before going in, hey, don't let me, you know, whatever happens, because he sees his, um, his ex in the crowd. He's like, whatever happens, don't let me go with her. And he's like, sure, but you're not going to listen to me. He's like, no, you, you can't let me go. And so he gives the speech, sees her, like makes eye contact with her during the speech and like forgets words ends up sound like joe biden up there anyway and, uh, <laughs> and in the end he was like okay i'm gonna go have dinner with her his friend was like no no no, no. you're supposed to have dinner with me and he's like okay bye <laughs> he goes off and then after having sex with him the ex is like okay i just needed to feel like beautiful again because my current husband is, in a, you know, is sleeping with someone else. So I just want somebody to worship me. So thanks and peace out. And he's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. And she's like, yeah, no, there's no point for you. <laughs> so he's like, how do I kid get used by beautiful women? So he starts like, oh no, all these beautiful women want to have sex with me. Right, but the problem is the beautiful women that want to have sex with him are just using him. That's true. That's um, so he comes up with a plan. Yeah. So he comes up. So well, he watches a, a TV ad and it's just sex, sex everywhere. And he's like, "Oh, the world is obsessed with sex. It's not me. It's the world. I'm a product of my environment." Oh yeah, I hate him. Yeah. So he calls this like phone sex hotline, and instead of actually wanting to talk sexy talk, he's like basically asking this phone sex hotline woman like, "Why am I obsessed with sex? Why?" Can I, why can't I just, you know, engage with a woman on, with ideas and, and have a similar, you know, a, a, an understanding? And she's like, well, just run an ad. And he's like, okay. And he runs an ad. And then the ad, it's very specific. Look, do not put me in touch with any beautiful women because I will become an incoherent dope. So give me the fuglies who are interesting and brilliant that's who i want to meet with because i want i want to have a relationship with a woman where i can you know be coherent at the end of the sentence <laughs> and so he runs the ad and rose's sister replies on her behalf without rose's knowledge and of course when she tells rose well she doesn't tell rose um he tells rose and he tells her kind of omitting the the looks category part so rose is like i mean that's probably for me. the best right so Rose is like, cool, you picked me. So they start going on dates. And Rose, at first, Rose is like, thumbs up. Like, <laughs> like 
why is this beautiful guy like randomly want to date me? Uh, thumbs up. But then she gets to know him and she's like, okay, he's genuinely a good guy. And bit weird, course, but all right. Yeah. Of course, her mother is like, her mother is way more cynical than something's up because her mother is a total narcissist. So her mother's like, there's no way he's into you because you're not good looking enough. And, um, and Rose is and like, also he never touches you. There's also that. He's also very weird. Yeah. Yeah, so then, well, at first they were just dating, and her, her mom was against him because she's like, you know, because remember when he came over before he, um, before the, the, um, the proposal, when he came over for dinner, and Rose is just being Rose, because, you know, and a lot of times in dating, people, they, they pretend to be better than they are, they pretend to be something else, and Rose is not down for that. Rose is like, look, this is me, take it or leave it. I've been single this long. I don't give a shit. So I respect it. I eat carbs. I'm not only going to eat a damn salad. If you got a problem with that, I don't really care. So I, um, so this, so she realizes at some point that, uh, Jeff Bridges, even though he's sexy as fuck, um, is, (laughs) is just as shallow as everyone else. He, she's dated because he can't, when she goes, uh, when she is like, I want to actually improve my looks and I want to be more confident and I want to stop wearing ugly sweaters. Um, he's, he's freaking out. Yeah, well, okay. So before that, you have to um, explain the arrangement that they have. Oh yeah, so- the arrangement is really weird. This entire thing yeah. is weird, but like the, the actors, uh, the lead's charms uh, shine through and you're like, I want this to work. It won't, but I want it to. <laughs> But see, that's the beauty of George Seagal, because he's like, you're all, like, he just looks at the whole thing, and he's basically the audience going, yeah, you're nuts. This is never going to work. I'm going to save this for the, um, I'm going to save this for the, for the, the, my favorite scene for the end, because it's the last scene. But my favorite line is the first line, uh, aside from all the techno bullshit that he was teaching, uh, and uh, it was his students, and they said, uh, do you think he's straight? Uh, yeah, he's too boring to be gay. I want to use that line. I want to use that line as many times as I can. <laughs> that I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a way to use that line in real life. It's so good. <laughs> uh, so, fun fact: this movie was written, directed, and produced, and stars Barbara Streisand. Yes, yeah. she's great. I, she's fantastic, and. Um, it's not so whenever you you're like oh look this actress is like is uh is hideous look at her and i'm like it's it's uh halle berry you'll just put her in an ugly sweater <laughs> uh she, she just is down for this and i don't know if she put on weight for the role or if they figured out how to make her look um not barbara streis any i don't know but yeah she see she ends up going through a transformation at the end but before that she she doesn't look ugly at all. No, she just, she just like looks a person. Yeah, exactly. She just looks like an everyday person. She doesn't look like the Hollywood spectacle that is Barbara Streisand. She just looks like a, a regular person from Manhattan named Rose. You would never think twice about looking at her. Just an everyday person. Um, she doesn't wear makeup. My favorite line in the movie was when um, she and her sister were talking about makeup. And then she was like, why? I just, like me. I just look like me, but in color. That's I don't wear funny. makeup, and that's why. <laughs> it's a it's a good line, um, and then um, when she 
when she does have a transformation, her sister, I think it's her sister, her sister says, now you're just like the rest of us and you're going to spend like an hour or two uh, in front of the mirror and then you're going to be judging everyone to see who's prettier than you. And I, yeah. I, I, what I like is that she doesn't do that. She just starts eating carbs again and she's like, I'm going to put on all this weight. I just want you to know that this isn't going to last because I'm not yeah. going to fucking salad. It well, she says the, the key is, you mentioned it um, when we were talking before, but um, she doesn't undergo a personality transformation. She, or she doesn't undergo just a physical transformation. The transformation for her is about confidence. So yeah, she looks, but you know, she improved her overall life, not just her look. She also improved, she didn't do it to just to look better. She did it to improve her health. That's why she lost weight. She ended up, she decided that, you know, maybe if I do add a little bit of color and change the way I dress, I can actually attract men because that ended up being a problem um, earlier, you know, a problem earlier. And she decides, okay, I can be, it's more her confidence that changes. She's like, I can be a better version of myself, but I'm still myself. It's not like she undergoes this makeover and all of a sudden she's no longer Rose. She's still Rose. And um, she also has her friend to ground her. Her best friend is like, oh, you're not gonna eat burgers with me. So she's like, give me half your burger, I'll give you half my salad. Like there's no reason we can't be better together and still be the same people. Uh, so, yeah, she I stays love who she is. This is, this movie, was so close. It was teetering on the edge of being bullshit, but ended, but stayed on the path of being fantastic. And um, <laughs> okay, and I respect it because, for example, okay, I want I want to skip to the end because at the end, um, Jeff Bridges comes back. He flips over the uh, the person at the door, and she's like, "Finally, some passion." Okay, wait, wait, hold on. You can't skip to the end. Okay, without fine. Because you just said he comes back, but we didn't explain why he left. Okay, so he left. Well, she left. She left. Because she he, left. he has no yeah, passion. She left him while he was um, while he was on a book tour in, in Europe. And the reason why is because she wanted to have sex with him for one night. They got married. And after they got married, moved in and did like the Nelson beds. Where it's like, you know, two twin beds. I'm pretty sure they and never kissed. They did kiss. They kissed once. They kissed yeah. Yeah, they kissed once. <laughs> and, then, um, and she had even asked him, like, okay, so what about sex? And he was like, well, you know, we can do that if you need to or want to. And she's like, okay. So then she was like, hey, if I tell you now that I want to have sex later tonight, is that enough notice? And he starts to kind of lose his shit again. And he's like, what the hell's happening? Like, I, I wasn't fine. I wasn't, like, losing my shit. I was being able to talk to a woman and be normal. And now she wants to have sex with me. And even though she's not as good looking as I normally go for, I'm still losing my mind and becoming incoherent. No, this can't happen. I can't have it, sex with It's as if the problem was him. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, Imagine so that. She tries to have sex with him and he loses his shit. And he's like, no, I don't want to have sex with you. And that's when he admits, I went through every precaution to make sure you weren't good looking so that I wouldn't want to have sex with you. Uh, yeah. And then she's like, well, fuck you. Yeah. So then she went, she goes, cries to the bathroom. She stays in the bathroom until he falls asleep. When he's asleep, she leaves. And then the next day he leaves on his um, tour and he keeps calling like, oh, you're being immature. 
just because I said you were ugly, like what is wrong with you? <laughs> what a prick. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's the um it's, it's the 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 a, a testament to how good Jeff Bridges is that he's like you're a prick but I want you to be better exactly I want this to work out for you because you're Jeff Bridges and again even his best friend George Sakal pretty much says the same thing he was like when, when he goes over to his house and um because after he comes back from the tour you know he comes back and he he tries to call and he's like you you moved out like what the hell we were married like we're we are married like what's going on with you and she just won't talk to him she her mother just feels the calls for him or for her and um then he starts to even though he hasn't really seen her talk to her like the rejection from her makes him lose his shit anyway so then he goes to Seagal or Seagal comes over to his house and he's like okay get rid of everything that you like because you're about to lose your shit and just start destroying things. He's like, hide the knives, hide all the fancy stuff that you got. <laughs> I like that like, this oh, guy is ridiculous. And then, like the next scene, he loses his shit. I like the fact that um, that uh, his best friend has seen a, a rom com before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I respect it. So yeah, and uh, so then afterwards, he talks to. He find, she finally decides to call him. She's like, you know what? You're right. I can't run away from this anymore. Because what happened was, while he was gone, it was just a few months. So it was basically during the summer. You know, the college professors have the summer off. So during the summer, he's off in Europe talking about his mathematic book. And she, at first she was depressed. And then she was like, I don't need to be depressed. You know what? To a certain extent, other people are right. I never tried to look good. So it kind of is on my healthier I can become a better version of me I'm gonna like almost like I'll show him like a revenge thing so she's like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna start working out I'm gonna get healthier I'm gonna get better she starts eating better she starts exercising she starts she in the process she loses some weight she allows her mother to give her a makeover she gets her hair done she dyes it and next thing you know she looks like Barbara Streisand he comes home and now okay he comes home and Freaks the fuck out. Loses his shit. Because now she's the beautiful woman that he was trying so desperately to avoid. And she's and uh, this scene could have gone two ways. The way it went, I love. The, the other way is like the, oh, we can, it's, I'm pretty now, so we can be together. Which, it, it sounds stupid, but it is, because it is. Because, but that's in every rom-com ever. Yeah, that's how most of them end. Most of them are like, oh, now that you're beautiful, like, I'll take you. But again, in this rom-com, her being beautiful was the problem. Like, him dealing with beautiful women in general was the problem. The problem was him, but he didn't know that until his wife became beautiful. Yeah, and so he's, he's freaking out because he's like, ah, oh, fuck, everything's terrible. I mean, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> My favorite line about that part is, it, it wasn't he's before. carrots now, how tragic. It's <laughs> a good line. Um... <laughs> And and uh, and he and she's like, I don't need this shit. It's clear that uh, you never actually love me. I don't love you anymore. So like, I'm out. Peace. And then she leaves. And he's like, what the Fuck, just happened. <laughs> I love it. And then of course the douchebag from the beginning of the movie that she was attracted to originally, who married her sister who her sister was immediately cheating on. And by immediately, I mean at the wedding. 
I love the fact that uh, she did not give a fuck about him at all. It's Ever. so funny because he's like, <laughs> I, I want to spend time with her. And she's like, I, why is he spending all this time with me? Because you're married. Exactly. <laughs> he's next to you in bed because you're married. That's how marriage works. Yeah, she was like freaking out, like, oh, he's always there. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. She's such a bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, Rose ends up having a date with him because now the sister has finally decided, okay, I've had enough of him. I'm moving on. So she is in the process of divorcing him. So Rose, so uh, he sees Rose and becomes all googly-eyed because now she's gorgeous. And um, he's played by Pierce Brosnan, by the way. So it's just a bunch of gorgeous people in this <laughs> film. And um, I love and Pierce so. Pierce Brosnan played James Bond, and then he played a James Bond but a douchebag in every rom-com ever. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, um, so now she gets to have that date that she wanted that Woo! you know he never would have given her before because she didn't look like Barbara Streisand. And uh, then on the date, she's like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait," because he was like, "Oh, you spark a fire in me," and she's like, "Hold up, why do I spark a fire in you now?" <laughs> he's like oh you know because reasons let's get back to making out she's like no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. because yeah. reasons is surprisingly I'm accurate. the same yes <laughs> she's like no, no no I'm the same person I was before I just put my tits out there and I dyed my hair and he's like yes perfect and she's like okay <laughs> we're done I appreciate, I, I hate him, but I appreciate how that he's not just hiding it. He's like, yeah, I know. That's the point. <laughs> right. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, fuck that. So now she's like, okay, I'm going to go back to my mom's house. and But not for long, because, you know, I am a professor. I can afford my, I afford my own place. So I'm going to go back to my mom's place, but just for a little bit. Um, I'm going to find an apartment she's and move on with my life. Yeah, she's clearly uh, able to support herself, but she had no confidence uh, to live on her own. And then she exactly. lived with Jeff Bridges. Uh, and, and their marriage was weird. It was basically, it's like, yeah, I get it. I don't like sex either. And she's like, did you watch the rest of my lecture? He's like, no, nah, I left when you were talking about the music thing. And so he's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> but she's like, so, uh... but her, her lecture was basically starting off with like, sex is weird. It's inconvenient. But we like it anyway because it feels good. And it's like, and that's the point of her lecture. And then after that, and I love that she said it after they gave like intellectual energy. She's like, yeah, I get it. But like, it feels good though. Yeah. Uh, well, during that lecture, he showed up like, he showed up in the middle and left in the middle. Yeah. So he was really only there for like a little bit because he had to go, you know, and being a teacher himself, he had a class to go but he wanted to like audit her class for a little bit. So he listens to like a tidbit of her lecture, but doesn't hear the ending where she was like, yeah, no, that's a good thing. Like fuck all the academic reasons. It's because of emotion. So and then um, she, she's, uh, she dated him because he, and he treated it like uh, an academic thing. And it was weird, but. Um, it was a weird marriage. But she, but she, uh, but he figured out, uh, I, I like, uh, so he left and then he went to a bar when she left him and he's like, I don't know what I did. What happened? Is it, it's me? Is it me? And he's like, yes, yeah, fucking you. 
Yeah, the best friend. Yeah. I love the like, best it's friend. You. <laughs> it's definitely you. And um and so uh he tries to get into the apartment and the person at the door was like, You can't get in, it's like six AM, go away. And he's like, No, I, I wanna see uh I wanna see Rose. And he, he and the guy's like, It's six AM, she doesn't want to see you at six AM. And and he flips him. And she's <laughs> and she's like, Oh my god, he's passionate. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, she had... Okay, so to be fair, she always loved him, but when he did his little flip out and was like, well, I don't want to have sex with you because I'm some strange Ofrico, she's like, okay, enough of that. So she moved on because she's like, this isn't gonna... This relationship isn't gonna be two ways, you know? I love him. Obviously, he doesn't love me, so I'm out. But then when he comes at six o'clock in the morning and he's like screaming her name, waking everybody up. And of course, this is New York. So they're like, you know, well, fuck yourself, go, you know, leave. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't live in a big city, but if someone was screaming out, my house at six, out of my house at 6 a.m. to someone across the street going, I love you, come back. I'd be like, shut the fuck up. God yeah. damn it. It's 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Which exactly. I think, I think um, lately, like within the last 10 years, more rom-coms have made fun of that trope than actually done that trope. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and that's the thing I like about it is that it's, it's a realistic take on it. Like, it's not like, because, you know, in a normal rom-com, there's this big show of affection and then, then they kiss and the music slows and it's over. Whereas in this one, people are like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> but, my, the, but the best part about that... <laughs> The best part about that is the like the the big gesture that makes up for it. She's like, "All right, I'll come there and talk." And then then after they talk, okay. she's like, "All right, I'll date you again. This is great. You, you've improved. Well done." Uh, but yeah. by the way, I am going to eat carbs. And he's like, "I will love you whether or not uh, whether you're pretty or not. It's fine. I love you, not the way you look. I also like the way you look. Let's be real." And then they yeah, get- well, the, he had to make the case or or what the case that was made to him. He, that he had to realize was that he actually did love her. And the reason why he was freaking out so much was because he genuinely missed her. And not like he, he didn't even, he hadn't even seen her yet. And he was like, why is she ghosting me? Like, cause he genuinely did love her. Yeah. And you can feel that so even he when he doesn't to realize kind of it. clear the bullshit out of his own head. And once he did, she was like, okay, now we're cool. Yeah. And my, my personal favorite part about that about that scene is that at the start, she's like, no music is going to uh, play for you when you have your kiss. It's not, yeah. it doesn't work like that. And then one of her students lives in the apartment building and saw this happen and played a record. He got a record with That's that song student. that she... I thought that was the old man. No, that was one or of the... old man, but like the middle-aged dude who had a Puccini record playing. Yeah, but like... Maybe, but one of the, uh, but someone was playing the record and they're like, we want to have this scene and we want to have the music because obviously, but we already yeah. made fun of it. So we need a reason for it to happen. Yeah. So someone was playing a record because he also likes rom-coms. And then to complete the powerhouse that is Barbara Streisand, woman who wrote, directed and starred in and produced the film. She also sang the song for the soundtrack that plays as the credits roll with Brian Adams. <laughs> awesome. So there is nothing she can't do better than you. That's the lesson I learned from this movie <laughs> is that I'm not Barbara Streisand and that's just depressing. You can tell that 
Uh, you can tell that this was directed by Barbara Streisand from like the cliches that she knows and the cliches mm-hmm. that she avoids and embraces because she embraces some cliches, but you, but it's yeah. always for the betterment of the movie. And also she's like, uh, some other things she, um, she's like, yeah, you got your back to the, to the class. No one gives a fuck about anything you're saying. <laughs> you need to have some passion in it. Uh, and uh, when she comes back from summer vacation and she's sexy Barbara Streisand now, she's like, um, my breasts aren't going to be on the test. Yeah. Something like that. It was a good line. It was better than that. Delivered better by Barbara yeah. Streisand. She's like, what? What? Because everybody was staring at her. And she goes, yes, I have breasts. They cannot, however, be the subject of one of your papers. That's the one. I forgot the line, but that's it's a great line. <laughs> I've seen the movie once or twice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad that you put this on the list. It was adorable and fun and funny and actually uh, clever as well. Indeed. Um, okay, next movie. Uh, the movie that I well, we've already talked about Princess Bride, which is yes. one of my favorite movies. It is. Um, it's still my favorite movie. We went through this with About Time, but uh, Princess Bride is my favorite movie, and my favorite couple is from About Time. There was a very clear distinction that that you helped me figure out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, because they weren't a good couple. No. <laughs> um, I don't know what I like about Princess Bride so much. Honestly, I think it's just the quote factor. It's, it's, just, it's so quotable. Like, I, I've memorized that entire thing, and I don't care where you are in the United States, if someone says inconceivable, you know exactly what they're talking about. Like you keep using that word. I do not think he knows where. Uh, I do not think it means what you think it means. Yeah, look at your that word. <laughs> I love that. It's, so- oh, it's an awesome quotable film. Yeah. Oh, and I love the um, the rest well and dream. Oh, um, I do not envy you the headache you will have when you awake. But in the meantime, rest well and dream of large women. Oh, so many quotes. <laughs> we could quote the entire thing. Let's not though. I, you know what? Fun fact, I used to be an Uber driver, and in one of my rides, we literally, it was four people in the car. Three of them with me were just randomly quoting Princess Bride for like an hour-long drive. That's very it was funny. the most fun I had as an Uber driver. <laughs> oh, that sounds like fun. It was so awesome. We just basically like just riffed off quotes. It was awesome. So I think that's why I love that movie so much, because... Let's face it, there are better movies with action, there are better movies with romance, there are better movies with like sci-fi, but it just, it works. I also like the the meta part of it with like, you know, with the kid and his grandfather. I, I like love, how they jump in and out. Yeah, I love that the kid skips the kissing scene. He's like, oh, no, go away. I want to I talk about fucking pirates. Let's do that. Yeah. I love that kid. And he, the, I love that yeah, I love that he was brought back for that. They did a Princess Bride thing for Deadpool 2, and then yeah. that kid back, and he was tied up. He's like, I'm not the kid from Princess Bride, that's just a character. <laughs> yeah, that was that was good. Uh, so, Princess anyway. Bride is another one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, well, The Matrix is too, but I don't want to get onto that just yet. When I was a kid, because I, I was trying to think of like what did I like before the 90s? <laughs> it was very hard. I was like, what was my favorite movie before the 90s? Because I can think of like, in the early 90s, it was T2. In the late 90s, it was The Matrix. Okay, so what did I like in the 80s when I was a kid? 
What did I like in the middle of the 90s? And the answer is, I didn't have favorites then. I just, I liked movies, but I didn't like cling to any one thing. I would just watch all of them. I just took mm. in as much as I could. I seldom watched the same thing twice. So I can't really pin down any one thing. Also, there's a much bigger different, there's a, a bigger change in, in the, the social climate. Now we have movies that are geared towards general audiences, and then they may have a specific demographic they're aiming for, but they still kind of try to get everybody. When I was a kid, it was, these are kids' movies, these are for children, these are for adults. And then their teenagers were kind of a gray area where, like, they wanted to watch the adult movies faster, but the adults were like, no, stick with the kid area. And now, like, most movies are in that gray teenage area because they want to get kids and adults. Um, so like a lot of the adult movies that I look back on now and think are good, I was a kid. I didn't watch them then because that's, kids didn't watch adult movies. That's supposed to. And, you know, we did what we were supposed to do back then. Now people are like, whatever. They're there's seven. absolutely no way. Deadpool. Yeah. The fact that there's a PG-13 version of Deadpool 2 is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it. No, I saw the Princess Bride like, section. I, I saw the Princess Bride sections on YouTube, and that's I pretty, I'm pretty sure that's basically all you need to see. Because you can <laughs> uh, just watch. Prin- that's uh, all I've seen of the second one. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the original Deadpool two in theaters, but the PG thirteen remake I didn't watch. I, I the the problem is that it's just a re-edit. It's just like they they make it PG thirteen. So the only thing you need yeah. to see is the Princess Bride scenes. Okay, so then we're good. I've already yeah. seen it. Um, so. All of that being said, my first that I can remember, of course, maybe next week this will change, but for right now, off the top of my head, my favorite, my first favorite movie was Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Woo! <laughs> love that movie. So, huh? I love that movie. It's a great, um, it, it switches genres so brilliantly. And whether you or not you like uh, Terminator 1 or Terminator 2 better is depending on whether or not you like ho- cheap horror movies or slick action movies better. Or if you were an actual child when Terminator came out, and you were a teenager when T2 came out. Because that's the situation for me. (laughs) (laughs) When Terminator came out, I was like a baby. But when T2 came out, um, I was, I don't know, I was a young teenager. um, So I was too young to be able to watch it. But of course, my favorite band was Guns N' Roses, and they did <laughs> videos for it, and the commercials were everywhere, and I was like, no, I gotta see this movie! And so I was obsessed with this film that I wasn't allowed to see, because you had to be 18, and I was like, I want to say 15 maybe, or 14, and I was just like, tell me, tell me everything. So my brother would go see it and tell me the story, and I'd be like, what happened next? And it's really annoying. I finally saw it. Do you, know what? What, do you know what's going to really annoy you? What? So uh, our rating systems are different, and we have M and MA, which is 15 plus. So yeah. if you were in Australia, you would have been able to see it. Um, no, it's not. It, I, I still wouldn't have been able to see it because it's my mother, my uh, parents, who were like, no, you're too young. Um, okay. I don't remember exactly the year that it came out. Um, 1992. In 92, I was 14. So I still wouldn't have been able. To, ah. I still wouldn't have been old enough. Um, so yeah, like I like I said, I was a young teenager. 
So my parents were like, no shot in hell. So when it comes out on DVD, or not DVD, sorry, because this was 92. Uh, it comes out on VHS probably like 93, right? 93, 94. Yeah, and sure. I tried to trick my mother into buying it. It works. She buys it. Then she realizes, wait, this little bastard just tricked me into buying this because she's going to try to sneak and watch it. Like, uh-uh, I'm going to hide it. Of course, I know where my mother's hiding spots are, so I still find it. Yes. <laughs> so um, by the time I finally do watch it, I'm like, it's everything I thought it would be. And it's like, it, it broke special effects. And it's just oh, it was awesome. It was, it was and of so course, like, you can't talk about it without the Guns N' Roses soundtrack. You could be mine. Like, come on. Awesome. The fact that they play Guns N' Roses and he hides a gun in a stack of roses is the most brilliant thing in this movie. Yeah, well, they did that because they, they did that on purpose. I think. Yeah, I know they did it on purpose, it and it was that. very funny. Yes. As soon as and, I, um, I watched the thing, and then I'm like, who the, does the soundtrack? And I'm like, Guns N' Roses. Oh, fuck. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, man, I remember that time. GNR was my absolute favorite band. And that was a really good time to be a Guns N' Roses fan. They were like at the top. And then here comes this music video, which this is at a time when music videos were king. And I was like, oh, I got to see this movie. It looks so good. <laughs> and you know, I love sci-fi and I love action. And I'm just like, oh, and then and of course he's got the barrel of the gun and he's like, oh, everything. <laughs> and of course, you know, this is a Terminator franchise, which had the cheesy lines like, oh, do back. And now, you know, now there are more cheesy lines. And I was like, put it in my veins. <laughs> the, the, fact that, oh, yeah. uh, the fact that John Connor has um, uh, t- uh, teaches the Terminator how to be cool. And it's less cool than everything uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has ever said. is very funny. Cause, yeah, and it's also, uh, it's oh, just everything. I love this movie. Uh, I don't don't even remember. I was about to say something and it's just gone now because it's just because I looked at a picture and I'm like, oh, fucking awesome. Uh, (laughs) This is the movie that Sarah Connor, Connor, uh, the uh, what the fuck's the name of the actress? I can get it. It Who played Sarah Connor? Yeah, Linda Hamilton. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, Linda Hamilton. Um, (laughs) she was great because she played like the classic damsel in distress. Uh, in the first one and then was like okay so now i have to actually step up well see i don't think that she was a damsel in distress in the first one she She was was. she stepped up no because she stepped up towards the end of the movie is what i mean she when carrie exactly but she stepped up to the end to me and then the sequel was like okay now that we've established that what does she do next yeah but i don't think she was a damsel in distress because if you put anybody in that situation even a male you you're because think about what is happening in the 1980s arnold schwarzenegger is a robot coming to kill you from the future deal with it the, okay uh, yeah I, let me see you not freak the fuck out okay no, i, I of course get you it not believe it and kind of lose it i get it um, That's why I, I don't think she was a damsel in distress because I think anybody would have reacted the way she did. I'm, because I'm if you sure. think about it, like when she was told to run, she ran, and then she started to fight back, and like Kyle Reese died, and she still held her own. I'm pretty sure I used so damsel I in distress wrong. Her a damsel in distress. I'm pretty sure I just used the term wrong. What I mean is that she yeah. she was like she was running, she she fucking liked the first movie, and then in the sequel, 
uh, she's like, ah, oh, okay, got to deal with all these fucking Terminators. Also, I'm locked up. This is a bullshit. I need to try and escape. And then she um, goes for it. And then she, uh, and then Terminator 2 happens. And um, John Connor is like, we got to save my mom. And she, he's like, uh, and, uh, and the Terminator's like, uh, no, if we do, you're going to die. And then he's like, I order you. And he's like, fuck, fine. <laughs> Uh, to me, there is also there's the the psychological element of the new you know the new Terminator the T one thousand can mimic and exactly appear to be someone you know. There is there's that's like, kind of fucked up. You it's know? so fucked, and the fact that he disguises himself as a police officer, uh, yeah, throughout the entire movie is genius because he's like, okay, this clearly makes sense because police officers can have authority and yeah um, he, he gives himself the authority yeah. <clears throat> it's it's great and like there's been like a million terminator movies and a tv show and nothing has topped this yeah i was actually just about to say this is the last great terminator film it's this is it the best part of terminator 3 is the deleted scene that's how bad Which terminator 3 is scene? uh it, scene? okay it's when um it's the general Sandy, uh, something Sandy, and he's like, "Hey, look, it's me," and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's and someone dubbed over him in a stupid Texas oh. voice, and he's like, "We need to change the voice." And um, the, there's another guy, random Joe Schmuck, that's that has Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice. He's like, "We'll change it." It's the best scene. It's yeah. hilarious. Okay. I know exactly it's so that. it's so funny, and it's not in the movie. And I'm like, if you're gonna go, fucking do it. You're you're already a comedy. That's what you are. So just go for it. And there, there are funny lines. There are funny lines in Terminator Two as well. But Terminator Three really went for the comedy aspect. The funny thing about the whole Terminator franchise is that I actually think the stories, like the stories, are slightly better, but they just tell them horribly. Uh. Yeah, because the story for Terminator 3 is the end of the world is happening. And yeah. there's absolutely and nothing you can do about it. John Connor it explains how John Connor becomes the John Connor, you know, the savior of people. Yeah. And um, so I actually, I liked the story. It was just old oh, horribly. Yeah, yeah, and it's good. Terminator 2 is, is also fantastic action scenes because they're robots oh who can gosh, go all out. When the metal like melts and then goes through something, oh, I love it! Like when he's in the helicopter, we all know the scene. Yeah. In, when the metal goes through the the glass for the helicopter, fucking amazing. And when he, he's got the little shards of himself that he got, he has to like they have to melt and then pull back up. And then in the end, when they blow him away, like it's all awesome. It is very <laughs> awesome. Do you know want to know something really funny? What? Have you seen the movie Last Action Hero? You probably haven't. It's for nine-year-olds. <laughs> so uh, Last Action Hero came out and it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the, the premise of the movie is that this stupid kid that I hate, I hated him at the time, and I definitely hate him now, uh, goes into this cheesy 80s action movie. And it's a cop movie. Well, And it's like, you have to pair up with this one. And like the entire department is filled with um, cops paired up with uh, that are unmatched. And one of them is a cartoon cat and he's paired up with someone. And he, the kid's like, there's a cartoon cat in the building. Come on, man, this is a movie, keep up. And he's like, yeah, he's, he works here. What the fuck do you want from it? 
And and he's like, yeah, but you can't swear. He writes down a swear word. It's very fun. He writes down a swear word, and he's like, you can't, uh, you can't say this word. And he's like, I, I don't want to say this word. This is immature. It's like you can't say it because it's PG. And it's like, no, because it's PG thirteen. I'm like, yeah, technically, you could say that one word. I get the point. But um, one of the things is that there's a cameo from the guy that plays the T one thousand as the T one thousand. Oh, it is. Yeah, there's yeah, a- I haven't seen it. Okay, That's so it's coming from then, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is in that movie, and he plays himself in the scene as a jackass, which is great. So he plays mm-hmm. himself as well as playing the the character, and so that means that in this world of, of magic, there's an actual movie with a cartoon cat, the Terminator, the T one thousand from Terminator, and Arnold Schwarzenegger in a fucking cop movie. I want to see that movie, and this is like the seventh one, so I want to see all of them. That's the movie I want to see. I want to see the movie where a cartoon cat and, uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger and T-1000 can be in a movie and it works seven times. Okay. Yeah, so Last Action Hero is weird and it has uh, that cameo. Anyway. All right. I'll uh, continue to not see it. Yeah, I mean, that's probably <laughs> right. for the best. It's not good. All right, back to my list of favorites. Okay. Next up, the one, the best one, the me. Duh. The next movie that changed the, the science fiction genre and commercials and pretty much how everything was filmed from then on was Bullet Time, but also it allowed action movies. Because here's the thing: I've always loved the big blockbuster action movies. You know, it's it's a fun escape. But I've always hated that they basically they have like the barest bones of a story. They tend to have like an outline of a story, just enough so that you can, so the action makes sense. Um, and The Matrix was the first one that was like, no, 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 no. We're going to have a real story and we're going to have sci-fi and we're going to have action and we're going to have philosophical and religious subtext through every scene. And you're going to need to watch this movie about 8,000 times. And then you're going to have to go to school and you're going to have to learn about philosophy and religion, and economics, and just how the world works in general, you're going to be smarter after having seen this film. Um, yeah, it's it's great. I think we talked about it um, before. Did we talk about it on this podcast or the old one? The old one. Okay, so we talked about this one before, and um, one, of the, one of the things I wanted to happen was for, um, was for this new ending to happen, and you said that that is how the sequels, that's the point of the sequels, but it wasn't explained well. So if you're going to do philosophy, fucking explain it. I have uh, no idea what you're talking about. So in the sequels, you have the architect, the architect, I don't know, there's a lot of people. Colonel Sanders um, <laughs> is like... There's no Colonel Sanders. He, he talks for like an hour about, um, about the fact, about it's like, this is the 15th Matrix and we keep that's doing the architect, it. Yeah. Yeah, the architect. And the architect is like, uh, we. this is the 15th one and something, 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 red pill. So, <laughs> I, I, and, and I, like I, that at all, but okay. I, I fucking hate that scene. Um, and I'm like, if Clearly you, you have no idea what happened in it. No one does, <laughs> except for you who's seen I, it 15 times. <laughs> I do. Oh, I've seen it way more than 15 times. Yeah, so. Like, 
I venture to say every single movie on this list I've seen well over 15 times. <laughs> Good. Um, Which is why I instantly have the facts that you're questioning. I'm like, this person, this character, this line, yeah, this stuff is in my veins. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. Um, so yeah, the, but the sequels aside, uh, the Animatrix I love, even though it's a series of short films, um, mm-hmm. but I, I love it. Oh, I love some of it. I love one of it. Um, and I, but the Matrix is where it started, right? 1999, we're stealing from anime, we're stealing all these martial arts things, but unlike other movies that I could name, uh, it doesn't feel like it's stealing, it feels like an homage. Like Star Wars is an homage to uh, old um, war movies. This is an homage to um, martial arts and anime. Um, Star Wars is an homage, like you said, to Flash Gordon and uh, Samurai movies. Um, this is an homage to, I mean, if you really think about it, all of the directors that we consider great, be it Spielberg, Lucas, Tarantino, whoever you want to throw out there, even Cameron, what they do well is take what inspired them and mix it into their own style. And if you do that really well, it will look like an homage or people may not even recognize the different elements and just think it's original. If you don't do it well, it's the joke. Yep. Um, with, um, I wasn't going to mention it. Thank you for mentioning it. Um, so <laughs> I knew you wanted to, that's why I, I did it. Did, did a lot. I hate it so much. Um, so yeah. the, so two things. One, I like the matrix as a concept because it's like, oh, are we in the matrix or aren't we or whatever. And two, uh, the original plan was to have it function on brainwaves, which makes way more sense than us being batteries. Like scientists have, have torn apart the matrix for being like uh, non-energy efficient when it turns to batteries. But in terms of brain power, if you're like using, the original plan was to use brain power in order to process the computer, uh, the computers that yeah, run like, the robots. Instead of thinking of those batteries, think of them as CPU. That was the original plan. But the studio got involved and went, people don't understand computers. You're going to have to change it. That's people why they don't understand the most things. That's why you explain it. Yeah. 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 You can but just say studio... that. Yeah. You can, instead of saying that we're, we're power, it's like turning us into batteries, say it's like turning us into a computer. So here's the thing though. I don't think most people realize how this movie was almost not made in like thousands of different ways. It I was mean, an uphill battle for them to get the right to make the movie in the way they want to make it. And they had to make compromises like that, for example. And also, they had to fight tooth and nail to get, um, they didn't fight tooth and nail for pretty much everything. But Keanu Reeves, I think, was brought in by the studio because the, um, the directors wanted, I think they wanted Will Smith or Brad Pitt. Will Smith, no, Will, I know this. Will Smith was originally given the script, but he turned it down because they were like, so like, it's about these computers and these robots are making computers. He, he had a YouTube video on it and he turned the script down because it sounds ridiculous. I know, that's, but that's the thing, like that everybody said that, all the studios. So the only way that they were able, like I said, there's like a thousand different ways this movie doesn't get made. So it's kind of miraculous that it did. And it's also miraculous that it was Keanu Reeves because the directors did not want Keanu Reeves. No, it was they... the studio that was like, nope, we're giving you, like, it's going to be him. Or, you know, basically the studio had their way with certain things. They changed the battery thing. They made it so that it was Keanu Reeves. 
The Keanu Reeves' vision was a good one. The, the battery one doesn't hold up for the test of time because now everybody does understand what a CPU is. There's a great, but there's the a great, um, there's a, oh, sorry, there's a great uh, rationalist. I read rationalist fiction and there's a great um, uh, fan fiction on this. It goes for like a page and it's the scene where he's explaining the battery thing and Keanu uh, Neo is like, hang on, but like batteries don't work like that. And um, Morpheus is like, yes, but where did you learn that? And he's like, I learned it at school. And he's like, where did you go to school? And he's like, in the Matrix. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you really hung up on the battery thing. Um, it, I don't care. <laughs> I, I just, I, I like the fact that like someone's like, yeah, who cares? It's fine. Okay. It so really doesn't matter. The, the difference, I don't know. The difference between the Matrix and the sequels is once the Matrix came out and was the huge hit that it was, when they went back to the negotiating table to be able to make the second and third movies, the studio was like, okay, fine. So now they had carte blanche to do what they wanted. So the movie- I, I hate carte blanche. You need to keep, you need to keep an eye on people that make you money so that they, because part of the method was that you controlled them. Like just- Okay, so the, yeah, the movie that they wanted to make the movie that the Matrix would have originally been would have been more like Reloaded and Revolution. Oh, it God. was the studio reining them in that made us that got us the Matrix. Thank you. Um, the had studio. the studio interfered in the Matrix Reloaded, they would not have been allowed to do the architect scene the way they did because Good. what they wanted to do was they wanted what they wanted to do in the Matrix was the same thing they eventually did in the Matrix Reloaded, which was tell you they basically just wanted to like stop acting like people are stupid and just be like no here's the philosophy here's the underlying situation the problem is people are stupid look i'm so you stupid have to kind of explain it clearly i'm stupid what? explain this shit clearly to me i don't i don't That's know exactly. that scene. i've never i've never understood it i know because i've read people describe the scene that it's got that it's like we created uh the the anomaly in the matrix every time we restart it is um is you and i don't know if like neo as keanu reeves keeps going on because you got all these screens with with his face on it and and it's like he's always having this conversation and he reacts okay. But like, I feel like I need to break down this scene. Thank I, you. I, it's the it's, it's been so long. It's the only scene. It's the only scene in Matrix Reloaded that I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Exactly. Okay. So I, I feel like a lot of people get lost in this scene. Um, it, it he uses a lot of big words and he's very dry in his delivery. But to me, this is the most profound part of all of the movies because it is explaining the whole trilogy. This one scene lays out what you just saw, explains what just happened in the last movie and what's happened thus far. It explains what's about to happen in this movie and tells and lays the groundwork for what ends up happening in the final film. So, so this no is a very, very it. important scene and very, very few people understood what happened. <laughs> so, I, like, I know exactly what happened, but for the people at home. Okay, yeah. So, Okay, for the people at home, um, who the architect is, like, we'll stick to his metaphor because metaphors and, and analogies tend to help people process. Okay, look at it this way. And this is like, this. it's just going to sound like I'm explaining something else, but I'm actually explaining, again, this one scene explains everything that's happening. So just bear with me. Okay, so if, if you look at 
we all know what the matrix is, right? It's a construct that people, it's construct created to keep people's minds plugged in so that the machine, so that the AI can use them, right? Okay. If you want to look at, if, a, if there was a father program, it's the architect. He's the one that, that wrote the ones and zeros. He did the coding. Okay. If, he, if there's a coder, it's the architect. Now, why or who matrix is the Oracle? She is a program. She's not a human. She's a program. She's AI, just like the architect. The architect and the Oracle are both AI that were around since long before the actual matrix was, matrix was created. They were created to create the matrix. Actually, he was created to create the matrix and he did, and it was perfect. And they plugged in all of the humans that they had captured, because remember, this is a war between humans and machines. When the machines had captured humans, they plugged them into this perfect matrix and everybody rejected it. And, but it, the way that they rejected it, remember the body can't live without the mind. So their mind, they would literally lose their minds and then they would die. Well, that's no good. That doesn't help them. So they were like, okay, that's, that didn't work. We need to try again. But he's perfect. He's AI. He can't make a mistake. He's like, it worked. They plugged in. And so iteration after iteration and total crops, the crops are human beings. Several crops were lost. Finally, another AI was created to figure out humans. And this AI had to be, it had to be more human. So it had to try to understand things like emotions, which, you know, an AI doesn't need to because it's just numbers. It's all, you know, it's all a numbers game for him. And so the Oracle was created to understand why humans were rejecting the matrix. And she realized because of choice, because humans had, so he thought originally he was like, okay, it's too perfect. Everything. Cause he like, they looked at humanity and they were like, this should be perfect for humans. Everything's always sunny. Let's give them their own utopia. And humans were like, nope, nope, this isn't real, this isn't real, this isn't real. So uh, humans kept, you know, they just kept dying. So she comes in and she, and she was like, the reason why you're still losing people is because they have to make a decision. So this is where determinism comes in, okay? Is this, is, is life deterministic? Is it fatalistic? That whole, so that whole line of thought steps in like, okay, is it like, the the mind the thought is like if you are given a choice are you really free to make that choice or are you are you destined to make the choice that anyone in your situation would have made given the exact same circumstances if someone was raised exactly the way you were raised and in that exact situation that you were in would you be able to make a different choice or would you be forced to make the same choice so she is a program who studied this and realized 99.9% of people are all going to make the choice if you give them the same circumstance. So she tells him, here are the circumstances. Create this. We have to give people the illusion of choice. They have to choose to be in the matrix because if they don't choose to be in the matrix, they're going to die. They're going to, their brains are going to, you know, they're literally going to lose their minds. They're going to freak out and die. So even with this situation, it doesn't 100% solve the problem. Why? Because it only 99.9% .9 solves it. So there's still that lingering 1% out there, right? So they were like, okay, what if, so he's like still unhappy about it because 
once this one percent turns like that can it, it's just like think of an actual crop like if one part one little part of the crop goes bad and you don't weed that out it's going to destroy the whole crop right so he decides or so he goes to her and he's like fix it you got to do something with that one percent so she's like okay let's come up with this narrative that this one percent is a chosen one let's give them like a superhero thing okay and then let's make them so the one percent that reject it let's all tell them like hey you guys follow this one chosen one we'll create a program we'll put this program in one of the ones that reject it and we'll give this program access to be able to do different things within the matrix so he'll have higher levels of being able to do things in the matrix than other people in the matrix and the one percent will follow that program and then basically we can pied piper that one that that chosen one we can pied piper that one percent by using the chosen one as a trojan horse matrix so that we can reassimilate the system and start over because at again at a certain point you hit saturation where that one bad seed turns you know starts destroying the crops they can't let the whole crop be destroyed so before that happens before it gets too out of hand you got to go back in so the door remember there were the two doors inside the architect's room one door was the one that he came through. One door is the door on the opposite side. Now, when he went through that door, when he went into the room to go to the source and he was talking with the architect, he in essence got admin privileges, okay? So when he got the key, he got the code to go in and now he's an admin in the matrix. And that's why later on in this movie and in the next movie, he's able to control AI even though he's not in, you know in the matrix he had the coding that automatically let him do whatever he wanted within the matrix but in the real world he was still just a human but now that he has admin rights to the ai outside of the matrix he can actually still control them that's why later on when he gets blinded he can still see he can see the code and that's why when he um later on in this movie when he comes up against the sentinel he's able to stop the sentinel he has no idea mm -hmm how and he doesn't know why but that's why he basically gets admin for the ai that is running all of it because it all runs through what's known as the source and the architect is a program inside the source the oracle is a program that came from the source but she's in the matrix in order to monitor humans so she's kind of like a trojan horse in and of herself like technically the trojan horse is the one so when he went in what he was told was Okay, now you are supposed to pick the humans that you want to restart the human race because we're going to destroy this entire crop. We're going to burn it because too many people are waking up. So we're going to get rid of this whole crop. We're going to start humans all over again. In order to do that, we need the code that you just picked up by walking in here. So now you go find your humans and then we're going to kill everybody and we're going to take the humans that you want. We're going to start over. So that's why when he went through, he was told to go through one door, which would do exactly what he was supposed to do, or go through the other door. And basically, they, he was like, look, we're going to kill all the humans anyway. And so basically, by going through that door, Neo called his bluff. He was like, you can't let that happen. If you killed every single human and I refuse to follow your orders, 
then you're going to lose all of the humans because I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to help you save like 25 of them. And so he called his bluff by walking through the door. Um, the reason why Neo in this iteration of the Matrix is like this is specifically because of the Oracle. This time when the Oracle put the code into a person, which in this case is Neo, she tweaked it a little bit because the code was supposed to be that when he gets into, when he meets with the architect and the architect tells him to choose the 25 people, he's supposed to, his love for humanity is supposed to be such that he decides, okay, greater good, we can't defeat the machines, so we're going to, you know, we can't defeat the machines, so I'm just going to go ahead and allow humanity to survive even through this one, you know, through this small faction of people. Um, but the architect in this situation, this time around, she's sick of the war of the machines. She wants it over. So this time, instead of having, oh, sorry, the Oracle, yeah. Instead of having it be, instead of having the love cookie that he, every time he takes candy, it's like a cookie. It's not a cookie, but like, it's like a, um, it kind of tweaks his code a little bit. It tweaks his the one code. So instead of his love being focused on, instead of it being broad and general for all of humanity, it is now focused on Trinity. So she created his love for Trinity. Okay. In the so, hopes that Trinity, in the hopes that in choosing Trinity, this, this he will actually end the whole war altogether. That's what was explained in that scene. Okay. Are you okay? Did it break you? I mean, the fact that it took you this long to explain it shows how rubbish that scene is. The <laughs> so it's, uh, it's hard to break it down because it's like the scene is a lot faster than that, but there's a lot of information coming through. That's why I was like, oh, I love this. You know, I like the movie because of what it says. Because every time someone speaks, they're explaining all of this. But then, I like, mean, I didn't like the action in it. People like Inception, and that's 99% uh, exposition. So I get it. But at the same time, that scene was rubbish. And it could have been explained way better. Uh, I don't yeah, know how. That, I'm not clever. That's what happens when you have unfiltered directors and directors with restraints. Mm, I love Sometimes <laughs> you need restraints. So <laughs> the first... Uh, so... Um, Oh, no. The first Matrix was uh, was great. I liked the second Matrix a lot. And the third Matrix was just so boring. It was just really, really boring. And then... Oh my gosh, I loved the third one. No, it's it not was so, great. It was like a thriller. Like, what's going to happen now? Is this all going to end? Oh my we God, I was more like... Oh my God, everything is lost. I was more like, oh my God, this is still going on? All right. Oh, so, yeah. wow, I love it. So normally when I say I like The Matrix, I mean the whole trilogy because I see it as one movie in three acts. I mean, the third act, act was one, rubbish. Act one, The Matrix, Act two, Reloaded, Act three, Revolution. I mean, you can tell that um, The Matrix was building up to sequels and they wanted to make sequels. But at the same time, I mean, no. It's just, it, it, <laughs> the third movie is not good at all. Because, Why? Why well, do you it, think the third okay, movie is good? So, you know, so that architect scene is 99% exposition is 100% exposition and it's all just like keep up you need to keep up and it's like you need yes. to present it better so they had great ideas but bad presentation and then the third movie it's like we have we have ideas and no presentation 
because we're just going to have them sit in a fucking thing. You know how you love the Matrix and being in the Matrix and doing all the cool Matrix stuff? They're going to be in a fucking car the entire time. It's a flying car, so that's cool, but they're going to be in a car explaining this, and then he's going to go into Matrix heaven or something. And what? there's, there's going to be a scene... Are we even talking about the same movies anymore? Like, I'm Probably not. So he goes to this oh scene God. that's in between the Matrix and the real world or something, and it's uh, and it's got a scene limbo. About, yeah, limbo, and it's got a scene about immigration, um, and it's like, yeah, you want to be in the fucking out of the Matrix? We want to get in there. Look at it; it's great. Yeah, but that scene wasn't about immigration, though. It was though. It was about it, like I mean, it's about the the people that are like uh, that are bored with um, being in like this basically. Uh, places designed for them and these other people are like, yeah, you had it so good. You had steak. We don't get steak. We're in fucking limbo. Yeah, that's not at all what that scene was about. That scene was about showing how programs, how AI specifically is starting to evolve and it can now experience love. It's that's about both those things. About. It's, about, uh, it's about love of AI and there's also some immigration stuff in there. I don't know. I'm tired. The Matrix always makes me tired. The immigration stuff was just how they chose to do it. But what they were saying was the programs AIs. are now sentient. In other words, they're walking back machines being completely evil. And they're pointing out. So the, in the third movie, the whole point was we can't, like machines aren't completely evil. We still need them. We rely on machines. Machines rely on us. So it was trying to get to that level of balance but it was trying to understand like what does that balance mean and that specific scene was showing see the machines aren't 100 percent evil some of them are good Mm. you know i did like that scene i just didn't like the rest of it um have you played the video game i did well there were a couple i played one of them i think it's called path of neo i don't Um, think okay so one i played is the one um it's based off the sequels and it has uh Niobe in it because I played Niobe. Okay, so Path of it was like Neo and Niobe, and you were like you got to go through and kind of like kick ass and climb walls and do bullet time and fun stuff like that. It sounds like fun. Uh, so Path of Neo has this whole um, uh, you start off uh, in the uh, with the choice between the red pill and the blue pill. Uh, I chose I chose the blue pill for the record to see what would happen. The game ends because. Mm -hmm obviously yeah uh, that's that's what happens when you choose the blue pill so i so i played the game um i went through um uh, i went through all of it and then and it goes through all the movies and then uh, at the very end it's like um yeah so neo sacrifice so at the end you have the directors i forget what their name what they changed their names to but you have the directors Wachowskis. yeah the Wachowskis. they um you have the directors in like polygons, like blue and pink polygons, and they're like, hey, we're the directors of the movie. Um, so at this point, Neo like sacrifices himself and um and uh it, it gets all philosophical and stuff at, at this point. But this is a video game, so fuck that. Let's have you fight a giant version of Mr. Smith. And then you create a giant version of Mr. Smith comes out of <laughs> fucking nowhere, and you had to take down Mr. Smith as, a, as the tallest building. And I'm like, thanks, the directors. Cheers. <laughs> I like uh, okay, I like that so they're self-aware. It's like, yeah, we did all this philosophical stuff, but this is a video, so fuck it. 
Uh, the Matrix trilogy was just loaded with philosophy and, and different ways of looking at the world and ourselves, and it was, it was awesome. Um, it was my favorite movie right up until The Avengers. Okay. When I saw The Avengers, before I saw The Avengers, I wasn't like, yeah, I read Marvel comics when I was younger. And sure, I liked comic book movies, but that's not saying much. I like movies. Like, I like all movies. Well, not all movies. I like, you know, I like all genres of movie, we'll say. Um, so it's like, whatever. Yeah, I liked Blade. I liked uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. I liked the Dark Knight trilogy. Didn't like the Batman movies before that. Um, but then, you know, and then I'm watching. I saw Iron Man, and I was like, that was cool. I'm, I'm down with Marvel until um, Captain America, the first Avenger. Then I'm kind of like, eh. But then the Avengers comes. And I'm like, you know what? I have the time and the money, and I'm just this big a freak. Fuck it. I'm going to do a uh, marathon. It was not my <laughs> first movie marathon. Um, I think my first movie marathon that I did in a theater was The Dark Knight. It, um, it was either Dark Knight or, uh, no, yeah, it was Dark Knight. It was a Dark Knight trilogy. Um, and then Avengers comes out and, um, and I'm like, okay, let's do this. I watch movie, 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 movie. Then you get to the Avengers and it's like watching a movie version of a miniseries because each thing interacts with the other and then you get to the end and there's a huge payoff. And I was like, I like that, that do more of that. That's awesome. And the thing that I love about the Avengers is the fact that they in the beginning it's like it's unlikely this is going to work They're, we're probably going to lose and then you find the catalyst to bring them together and they're starting to work everything out and then the tide turns and it looks like it's over it's like yeah we're gonna lose we, likely that we're gonna lose They're, the team is scattered each one of them is being defeated even the hulk is being overrun and you're like what like what what can happen now and you genuinely feel despair like what the hell you don't really know what's going to happen you don't see it coming and then the tide turns again and now we're back on top and then they win and you feel like you've been taken on this emotional roller coaster because you're like oh oh yeah oh and then like yay finally and then it's over and you're just you're just, it's like two and a half hours of this ride you know and i was like oh that was a lot let's do it again <laughs> I, I, love the I, love Avengers. I love the Avengers a lot. The um, I wasn't into the MCU until like, what, like six movies in? I don't know. Uh, whenever the Avengers came the Avengers out. Avengers is the sixth movie. Sick. So I, I heard that the Avengers is coming out. I'm like, what the fuck are the Avengers? I, I don't <laughs> know. Uh, so, because I was watching like other stuff. I think I was still watching Harry Potter because Harry Potter didn't end until 2010. So that was my fandom. Um, so. Harry Potter, if. If it ended in 2010, the Avengers was after that. Um, the Avengers came out in 2012. Yeah, but um, then you had Thor in 2011, and that looked boring. Or oh, I, I missed it or something. Um, so the Avengers was the first um, Marvel movie that I saw. And then I saw it, I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are, but i got to find out. And so I, <laughs> I became a massive Marvel fan after I saw the Avengers. And I went back, and I'm like, Captain America, the person that I thought would be stupid because his name's Captain America, uh, is great. You have uh, Iron Man, which was which uh, Robert Downey Jr. was fun. So Avengers basically got me to go back and watch everything else. Uh -huh. And after that, I was just on board from then on. 
Yeah, I'm the opposite. I was I was there from day one, and I was like, okay. But here's the thing: like, I didn't start out this massive Marvel fan. I was just like, okay, let's you know, it's a movie. I'm gonna obviously I'm gonna see it. It's a sci-fi movie, and it's a you know, it's a comic book movie coming out. And you know, and well, I don't think they were they weren't summer blockbusters. I think Iron Man was the only one that might have been. Anyway, um, you know, obviously I'm gonna go see it. So I went to see all of them. But again, when I went to see, I went to see Thor, like, that looks interesting. It looks fun. And it was. Um, but the character Thor, I thought, was boring and stupid. Um, and then I saw, I saw Captain America First Avenger. And despite the fact that Chris Evans is, like, ridiculous, because, like, humans shouldn't look like that. Uh, aside <laughs> from that, I was just like, mm, maybe kind of boring. I don't really care. But then I saw the Avengers, because it was like, Right afterwards, it was like, hey, they're all coming together. Because, you know, at the very end, he wakes up. And you see Sam Jackson. And that, to me, like, Sam Jackson is the stitch that pulled everything together. And I was oh, yeah. like, oh, I like that. Okay, I'm down. I'm going to do this. Let's go. Let's, let's watch the, the Avengers. And as soon as I finished watching Captain America, I was like, okay, when's the Avengers come out? Let's do this. Come on. Bring it on. Let's go. And then it comes out. And I was like, oh, I need to do that again. <laughs> And then I did, and then I did, and then I did. And I saw the movie, it got to the point where, even though it's almost three hours long, uh-huh. it got to the point where I had to tell myself, like, Jackie, you have to watch other movies. And then when I went, it, it was a movie that was out, uh, literally, I was able to see it in December at like the little $3 theaters. And so every single time I went to see a different movie, cause you know, most movies are only 90 minutes. As soon as I got out, I would just walk into the theater and just sit and finish. Like almost every time you walk in when Thor is on the on the Empire State Building and he calls the lightning, and it's like, here we go. Let's do it. I've seen that movie so many times. I saw it so many times in the theater. I lost track. I've seen it so many times since then. Like anytime I'm feeling down, I'm like this is a shot of adrenaline. Because like I said, that element of like, because they could have easily moved. They could have easily ended the movie in the begin, the first time they got together, they could have just done what most movies do and like, okay, we got together, we worked, you know, we worked it out and now we go out and defeat the villain and it's over. But no, they still they have that lull again of like, no, 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 we gotta take you on a despair trip. Looks like your all hope is lost and Loki's free and now looks like he's gonna win. The Chitauri are overwhelming them. They're like just the sheer numbers. They can't close the portal. We're fucked. And right in the lowest moment, that's probably an even lower moment than before they all got together. Because at least you had the hope that once they got together, they would win. But they've already come together. And it still didn't work. And for them doing that, like, that's why I love this movie. Because it's that, it's that resurgence of hope in your greatest moments of despair. That's when I'm like, when I'm depressed, I watch this movie and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and um, I like the... <laughs> And yeah, it's an awesome movie. The the team's smaller than um the it gets bigger and then the threats get bigger and but this one it's like it's Loki, it's Thor's brother that comes and um wreaks havoc and we don't know what an infinity gem, uh, gem is, at least I didn't. I didn't know that that was part of the infinity gems. Makes sense, I guess. Um but <laughs> they tied it into Thanos' big plan, but for, but in 2012, when it first came out, it's like, Loki's here, and he's a uh, god of chaos. Thor needs help fighting him. That makes sense. All right, cool. Let's bring everyone together. Who cares? Let's do this. And, <laughs> and then they he's do, and, 
and it's got some fan service, but it's it's mainly about like the story and the characters because we're still beating up the fan base. I know a thing, yeah. so you, uh, so you probably know this because you're you, but um, the the Marvel characters, True. Marvel, um, the comic book company was out of money, completely out of money. They sold all their bit better character, their best characters. Uh, they, the only ones that they didn't sell was Captain Who Gives a Fuck and Iron Who Knows. And, <laughs> okay, to clarify, they sold the move, the film rights. Yeah. So they, they sold, sold the, only the film rights. They didn't sell off the characters themselves. Like they could have sold it to DC or something. They kept the rights to the characters. They also kept the rights to the merchandise for those characters. So even when you were watching X-Men movies, if you went to buy a Wolverine doll, Marvel was getting paid for that. Yeah. They so, only sold the film rights to their characters. So they sold the film rights to all their characters. So they didn't have the film rights to anyone special. So they made Iron Man. They had to take out a loan. If Iron Man failed, Marvel would have gone bankrupt. Yes. That is how risky Marvel, that is how much Marvel risked doing this. And if yes. they didn't, then they wouldn't have made any money anyway, because who the fuck reads comic books? Well, you know, I do. I know. But like, they, they don't make enough, they don't make the money that they used to, and all the movies are there. And Marvel basically had to take out a loan. They took out a loan, they made the movie, and it made all the money. And they're like, Oh, thank God for that. All right, let's keep going. And then they did, and now Disney yeah. bought them. Yeah. Um, the end of the Avengers, we get to learn about Kevin Feige's big plan, which was the hint of, because um, before, you know, you don't really see who the other is talking to. He just talks to the, you know, he, he motions to this chair that's turned away from us. But in the end, the chair turns slightly, and you see Thanos. Yes, and like, and oh, Thanos is coming! Thanos is coming, and a mere fifteen movies later, he gets there. Yeah, Thanos is coming in about seven, eight years, and then we're not going to find out his plan for another like five. But Thanos is coming. <laughs> Do you think that they introduced Thanos too early, considering how long he was sitting in that chair? No. Okay. Now, of all the things that I would change about the Avengers, uh-huh. that is not one of them. The thing that I would change. And I've thought about this so much. I don't like the characterization of Black Widow at all, really. Um, I would have changed her. There's a scene, the number, like if we were pulling a Nando V movies and we were going to do one small change, my one small change to the Avengers would be instead of having the scene where um, after the Hulk was like, after Banner hulks out on the, um, on the Quinjet, and, or no, not the Quinjet, um, the Hellcarrier. After Banner Hulk's on the Hellcarrier, and the Hulk runs after, um, after Black Widow, there's a scene where she's like sitting on the floor, losing her shit, like having basically an emotional breakdown. And I would take that scene out entirely, and I would replace it with her fighting the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents coming through. And then when she gets the call, she like the same, if you were to look at her, her in Winter Soldier, where she's like fighting and Captain America is talking to her and then she goes in her earpiece and she's like on it and then she kills a dude and keeps going. Put that in there, but with her fighting the fake shield agent because that is Black Widow. Black Widow is not an emotional mess that cries on the floor. Black Widow is like, kill all these bitches first. We can deal with the feelings later as in never. <laughs> <laughs> and he um, made her, Josh Whedon has this kind of, he has this weakness where like, like oh see i show you strong women 
but then I make them also pussies at the same time. And that's what he did to Black Widow. And I really like the um, the Russo brothers' take on Black Widow because she's closer to the comic. And so if that was my, if I made one small change, I would take that out and replace it with the scene of her fighting the other agents. And then to me, the movie would be absolutely perfect. Fantastic. I, I love this movie. Um, I think it's the... I, I used to watch it like all the time and then more Marvel movies came out. I'm like, I'm just going to watch these ones. And and so I haven't watched it in a while, but I love it. You have the, um, my, you have Loki who's like, I am powerful. I am your God. And the Hulk's like, fuck you. And then smashes him. He's like, oh. Okay. So fun fact, when I was in the theater, it was a packed theater. Like the first time I saw it, mm-hmm. fully loaded. And I had to watch it a second time because we were cheering and laughing so loud we couldn't hear all the lines. So the line puny God, I didn't hear it because he was like smashing him like bam, bam style, like bam, bam, bam. Um, And then we saw him throw him away and then Loki goes, "Ah," and like everybody lost their shit. And, (laughs) and, and I didn't like, I heard, I saw him mouth something, but we had no idea what he said because we were all like freaking out and cheering (laughs) and, and laughing. Yeah, and then it was like the third time before I was actually able to hear him say puny God, because that's how the audiences were reacting. We were like, yeah, for <laughs> like a month we were cheering. So, <laughs> but yeah, it took me a while to actually like hear that. And then when I got the DVD or the Blu-ray, I was able to hear way more because <laughs> there's so <laughs> many things that like, even I would still like, you know, you're like internal cheering. You're like, yeah. And laughing, and then you miss a line because it was delivered like right at the tail end of something that we were just laughing about. So, um, yeah, the Thanos' plan is a perfect way to segue into my next favorite movie that we've already talked about <laughs> Avengers. Uh, well, okay, not Ven- Avengers Endgame, but uh, just let's just talk about them in general. So, there's Avengers, 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 uh, sorry, Captain America Winter Soldier, and Avengers Endgame. Those are my three favorite movies. Uh, I also like Civil War. Okay, I have to give an aside for Civil War. There is a scene uh-huh. in Captain America Civil War where uh-huh. they're chasing down Bucky. Everybody's hunting Bucky, right? right? He runs, he jumps off a building onto another building, he rolls, starts fighting people, blah, blah, blah. Or starts fighting Black Panther. And then he runs into a, like, he's, he's running and he drops down onto, like, this busy, he was, like, on an overpass and he drops down to the ground. And he turns, and this is my favorite scene, possibly of anything ever. A motorcycle is coming by. He grabs the handle of the speeding by motorcycle, grabs it, flips over, kicks the other dude off, jumps down, and takes off. And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> I need to see that 17 more times. Like, Winter Soldier oh. uh, is the one that made Captain America is like, hey, you know Captain America, that guy from that movie that no one except me likes? Um, yeah. Let's make him cool. What if he kicked people? Yeah. He's like, yes. Let's kick people and throw his, um, throw his shield like a frisbee. That'll work. And it fucking did. And just, just to clarify, I don't know. I can't remember which movie it is because they all blend together. But there's a, scene, there's a scene in one of the movies where he, um, where he um, curls a fucking helicopter that's um, Captain America Civil War. Sick. So in Civil War, he kills a helicopter and the directors of that were like, hey, you have muscles. Why the fuck were you wearing a jacket in that scene? Let's do it again. 
So they had him remove his jacket so that he could curl his the helicopter and show off his muscles. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Our that's, yeah, that's, that's a cool scene, but it's nothing to me of, of earlier when they're chasing, they're hunting Bucky down and he just he kicks the dude off the motorcycle and flips off. I mean, he, he grabs him he's, with one hand. That's insane. He's very insane. cool. Oh my God, he's so cool. Like Captain America was a great setup movie, but if, if but if it wasn't for Civil War and Winter Soldier, then he'd be the worst one. I mean, I guess Thor. No. Thor needed Ragnarok to really. Um, he really did. He really he, did. Because let's face it, the only thing we like about Thor is Loki. I mean, yeah. Nobody gets a shame about Thor. I, I don't remember. Oh, okay, I don't remember true. his girlfriend's name. Jane Foster. Yeah. Um, it's not true that nobody gives a shit as about soon as, Thor. As soon as you said that, <laughs> it went straight out of my head. I give Sorry, a fuck. Um, it's not fair to say that nobody cares about Thor. There are tons of people who love Thor, either from the comics or from the movies. I was not one of them until Ragnarok. I gave two shits about Thor. Actually, not even until Ragnarok. Let's be honest. I gave zero shits about Thor until Endgame. Let's be clear. I um, did not care about Thor one bit until Endgame. Endgame made him human. Fat Thor was the first time I cared about Thor. Ever. What about Thor Ragnarok? For that, no shits. Thor Ragnarok, the reason why is because in order for Thor to shine, they had to diminish Loki. Because the Loki in Thor Ragnarok is not the Loki that we've seen in the previous several movies. I'd argue that he went on a character arc in those movies. He's like, I mean, he's adopted. They had to mute adopted. him to it's make Thor fun. seem palatable. Like, perfect example, everything in, in, in Ragnarok, there are several times when Loki would have, Loki from the comics, he wouldn't have joined, like, they basically, they Disney-fied Loki in Ragnarok to make him more palatable, to make him a good guy so that you can start to root for him. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, sure. I liked Thor Ragnarok, it was fun, but I immediately noticed, like, yeah, they muted Loki. That's not Loki-Loki. So, um... But in and in Infinity War, Thor's arc of to me, Thor's arc begins in Infinity War and it comes full circle in Endgame. But until we get to Endgame, I still don't necessarily give a shit. <laughs> it's just like whatever, he's an overprivileged douchebag. Like I, whatever. I don't care. But then in Endgame, it's like, oh, now he's relatable. Now, now he's got something, now he's not Mr. Perfect. Everything's not lining up for him. See, before he was a golden child. Fuck them. They have the world too easy. No, I hate golden children. Now there's nobody left. He's got nobody. He had the chance to save not just the world. He fucked up saving the universe. And that rests on his head. So that to me was enough to balance out him being a golden child before. And that's like, okay, now you're relatable. Now you're almost human. Yes, I know he's a god, but like We've humanized him. And he said almost. So Fat Thor to me was relatable. I gave no shits about pre-Fat Thor. Anyhow, so so yeah, Civil War, Captain America Civil War. Captain America Winter Soldier. God damn. Chris Evans, he's like the hottest man on the planet. He's so good. the second hottest man on the planet is like Sebastian Stan. And I just don't know how I feel about watching this movie over and over and over again. Especially since it's like a 70s spy thriller 
and it's got all kinds of action, and Black Widow's finally Black Widow in a Marvel movie. Huzzah! And you and you introduce um you introduce the Winter Soldier, and it's like, oh, who's the Winter Soldier? Could it be that guy from the comics that no one's read? Yes, it was. Brilliant. Or, you know, that people have read and, and knew that it was him going into it. But damn it, he's still hot. And he's sore. so hot. And, and he's, he's got it, the brooding, like, no saying anything. And it's just the stare, because you can only see the eyes. And it's just, oh, I love it. And I love the, it. I love the Spider-Man. Is, uh, it, it, I love the Spider-Man's in it, for one. I didn't think that would happen. Everyone's like, will Spider-Man be in it? And I'm, and they're like, you have no idea what we're talking about. We're talking about the Winter Soldier, not Civil War. What the fuck? Wasn't he in? Didn't he, <laughs> did he fight? Civil so, War was the last movie we were talking about. Oh, Winter no. Soldier is the one where Bucky is alive, he's not dead, and he killed Fury, but not really. Yeah, I know. But and they take down Hydra. Spider-Man. That's the Winter Soldier. Who was Spider-Man? Spider-Man comes in Civil War. Oh, motherfucker. Germany. I just remember him um, fighting uh, the Winter Soldier, and I thought that that... Okay, whatever. The Winter Soldier came, we got, we were introduced to the character of the Winter Soldier from, you ready for this? Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Wow, it's well named. Yeah, I know, right? Okay, and he's <laughs> called the Winter Soldier because they put him on ice or whatever. Cover. Yes, or... um, the Russians put him on ice. Um, here's a fun fact from the comics because yes, there are nerds who actually do read the comics. Guess who helped to train Natasha Romanoff? who is also known as the Black Widow. Um, who? The Winter Soldier. Nice. So they, yeah, they, they were brought both, him out um, for the thing. So um, so I like the way, what? I don't know, go on. Okay. <laughs> I like the way Marvel changed the Winter Soldier so that he's the same age as Steve instead of being a young kid. Because in the comics, he's a kid. And, oh really? Um, That's, that would be awkward. Yeah, um, in the comics, he's a kid, and he was like, I think he was like sixteen, and Steve was a grown man. And um, then I think it was Brubaker who retconned it so that he was he was the one who created the Winter Soldier arc, and he retconned it so that yeah, he was just a kid, but he was like a damaged kid, and so because he was like a sociopath, they sent him along with Captain America to do the dirty work that, the, that this clean image of Captain America couldn't be seen doing. So Captain America would go along and he would punch Nazis and then he would post the pictures and he was a good guy and you could root for him. And then the sniper in the trees shooting people, that was, that was Bucky. <laughs> so, um, and so I like that Marvel, that I like the MCU changed it so that he was the same age and he wasn't a kid. Um, but the, the only thing I don't like about the way the MCU characterizes things in this scenario is, again, Black Widow. Because Black Widow is not like a brand new, she's not young. She's not like in her 30s. She looks like she's in her 20s. She looks like she's about 25. But in actuality, Black Widow is just a few years younger than them. She was born in like, I want to, like these guys were born in like 1917. She was born in like 1928. Really? Um, she, yeah. The, the, she has, so you know how Captain America had the superhero serum and he had the Vita rays? That's what made his, his chest bigger. They made him, the Vita rays are the, the things that made him bigger because he was scrawny and little. And I the superhero serum is what? Thank you, Vita rays. Metabolism. What? I thank you, Vita rays. Yes. 
Um, so it turns out that Natasha had the Russian version of the superhero serum. She didn't get the Vita Ray, so she didn't get bigger, but she has the same power set as Steve. She's faster, she recuperates faster, she has the metabolism. So it's not just that he was frozen on ice, he just genuinely ages slower, and she genuinely ages slower. And in the comics, in one version of the comics, because you know how there's like all different versions, in one version of the comics, she had a daughter who looks like Aunt May, like she's like an old woman. She still looks like Natasha. She still looks like she's 25. Okay. <laughs> so she had a daughter in like the 50s, I think. <laughs> so she's an old woman now. <laughs> I, I don't think I ever knew that. Like no one ever brought, brings that up. No, because the MCU retconned it so that she's like, she was born like nowadays, so that she's actually like 30 now. Um, and that's the one thing I didn't like because it takes away her powers. So now she didn't, she never had the superhero serum. And um, by the way, they kind of, they, they say it, but they kind of say it in like kind of rushed, but Bucky has it too. Bucky was injected with it when he was captured. Oh yeah, I, th um, I, I think I picked up on that. Okay. Um, so yeah, Bucky has a superhero serum, which is why he's able to keep going. But Natasha had it too. Also, Nick Fury has a weaker strand of it. So because Nick Fury was also their age. Nick Fury fought in World War II. And here he is in the 2000s fighting along with everybody. The difference between Nick Fury and everybody else is they got it injected into them and it's part of their DNA now. He takes a strand that's so much weaker that he has to take a dose every single year or he will rapidly age into like 120 like he should be. Huh. All these old people punching each other. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay. um, so yeah, I love the Avengers. I love Captain America Winter Soldier. I love Endgame and Captain America Civil War. I like them not just for the action parts, but also for the story. But I feel like we've talked about the story before. Yeah. Um, that's why I wanted to talk about the action parts. That we, really we did a whole thing on Endgame. I think you cried. It was great. I didn't cry during the thing on Endgame. Just when I was actually watching it, leave me alone. <laughs> um, uh, uh, let's see. Is that it? Is, uh, I think that's it. I mean, you gave me Batman Forever, but I don't think Batman Forever can top this. Oh, thank you. I knew I was forgetting something. Okay. The reason why I said Batman Forever is because I had to go to prom. And I say had to, not got to. I did <laughs> not want to go to prom when I was in high school. And I, instead of going to prom, I wanted to stay at home and watch the Batman Forever premiere on HBO. Batman Forever was the first film that I saw in theaters four times. Like I said, prior to that, I never really, I didn't have favorite films. I just loved films. So I just go to the movies and watch, you know, whatever, whatever. And I would watch a movie once and then go on and watch another movie. I seldom ever watched the same movie twice, in theaters at least. And Batman Forever I saw four times in the theater and then could not wait for it to debut on HBO, which was the same night as my prom. But my mother made me go to prom. Bastard. Right? I would have much rather stayed home. So. <laughs> it would have been so much more fun. I love Jim Carrey. And I love cheesiness. But oh, not so in the way that you Oh. I guess. <laughs> like, you love camp, but, like, you overlove it. Whereas I'm like, oh, this is cheesy and campy. That's fun. Okay, enough of that. Whereas you're like, no, give me more. Yeah, and give me I want a summer full of camp. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I was. So, yeah, for me, like, Batman yeah. Forever 
just enough camp. And I was like, yay, I love it. Don't ever do it again. And then they did Batman and Robin and ruined it. Um, but Batman Forever was really, really, really fun. Uh, it was way better than Batman Returns, which is not good at all. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. So Batman Forever was it had the right amount of cheese. It's like it wanted to be the '60s show, and it, I'd say it succeeded, except for the fact that Val Kilmer can't act. It was a gritty version of the '60s cartoon, yeah. and I liked it. I liked Val Kilmer. He was one of my favorite actors at the time. So thanks for shitting on my fan fest. You're welcome. I loved him as as a matter of fact until. What's his name? Until Christian Bale took over the mantle, I argued that Val Kilmer was the best Batman. Uh, yeah. So there, there it is. Yeah. Now you know about me. I know there about you. you. It's horrible. <laughs> You're a bad person. Hey. I think Adam West is uh, Adam West is great. Uh, I love um, Kevin Conroy as Batman as well. But you're talking about movies, live action movies. So uh, yes, Keaton. Michael Keaton. I no. think. See, here's the thing. I hated the movies that he did. The, the Michael Keaton Batman movies. Hated them. So, yeah. And basically, I, ro- I rooted for Kilmer by virtue of the fact that he was in the Batman movie that I liked. Because the next one was George Clooney. And George Clooney didn't even like George Clooney as Batman. Let's just be honest. I mean, that movie's so bad that they keep apologizing for it. I'm like, it's been 20 years. You don't need to. Relax. There are other superhero movies. Look at look at about the MCU. It's fine, and the DC, DC is fucked up without you. It's fine. You don't need to. You can let it go. You did phone booth. That was fun. And Josh Clooney, you've done literally everything else in your career. Relax. He started out as a TV actor. Yeah, he was on ER. Indeed. Yeah, he transitioned well. Not many do. Uh, I think. But yeah. I think people do now, but back then, no. Well, okay, not many did, I should say. You're right. Now it's now there's almost no difference. No. Um, but back then there was. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that any other movies that you want to cover? Um, we missed two of them. Oh no. Okay. All right. So really quick, um, one of my favorite films, a couple of them. Okay, so the three films that uh jump in here, Snatch is one. Um, again, I think it's the quotability. It's hilarious mm-hmm. in that like British comedy sense. It's great. Um, I think we covered it. We did cover no, we covered it in other things, but I mean like in this particular yeah. episode. Right. Um another one is uh The Fast and the Furious, which confused the hell out of you because you were like, all 18 of them? And I was like, Well, there are nine, but no, just the first one. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. So I'm glad that we didn't cover that in detail because I'm like, it's the one with the VCRs, right? The draft pass is VCRs and and it's yes. weird. The, the thing I remember uh, the first uh, Fast and Furious for is the fact that they went from stealing VCRs to fucking superheroes. <laughs> so the cool thing about that is it was like, it was speed, but with cars. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't know. I don't know what I love about that movie. What I do. It's good. It's uh, not necessarily like a good movie, but it's good. Well, none of them you know are good movies. They're, but they're all fun. And, um, yeah. You know what? They, they know what they're supposed to be, yeah. and they have fun doing it. Let's, and it's a fun ride. Yeah, let's drive, a build, let's drive this car through three buildings, because fuck it. Because <laughs> why not? Because you know and, what? 
<laughs> Hobbs and Shaw, let's make a superhero movie because those are popular. Let's do that. Who cares? The arc of that movie can be that they need to learn to punch him together. It'd be great. <laughs> that entire series is nonsense and I love all of them. Yes. And um, again, except for Seven because, you know, tears, we don't need that. But uh, <laughs> but I, I, I love them. Um, I also like Too Fast, Too Furious. I like the Just title. Again, the title is fucking phenomenal. You have not seen Too Fast, Too Furious, have you? Probably not. I don't know. They, they all get mixed up. I've seen at least some of them. At least some of them. Okay, that's a ringing endorsement if I've ever heard it. <laughs> um, final franchise, or actually film. It is a franchise, but there's one film in particular, The Chronicles of Riddick. Woo. I, saw the- I don't know why I like this movie so much. Neither do I. I, I. I don't know why you like it either. And for the record, I, I kind of like it. It's fun. Um, but like you were like, I love story. This has none. Uh, I love um, characters are fun. It, does none. it doesn't have any story. You can fuck off. It doesn't care about a story. It's like, oh, we got oh, we got uh, these people that are like ghosts or whatever, and, and these people are doing stuff. And there's a cult, or whatever. But it's like, yeah, we got that as like background. But who gives a fuck? We got we got uh, we got Vin Diesel. I think it's Vin Diesel. We got Vin Diesel punching yeah. people and and doing like weird. Come, uh, swinging on things and there's explosions and, he, and he's like allergic to the sun or something he's used to he's living in the dark so he can't <laughs> see in the sun very well but he can see in the dark and he's like if we're in the dark and I'm like is that from this movie I forget <laughs> there's a scene there's a scene where the, the, where the sun attacks them and it's like don't worry we're living in the shade and I'm like oh, alright whatever and, but this the, the, this guy <laughs> This guy is like, I am going to walk into the sun. And I'm like, why? It's, <laughs> because, fuck you. I'm like, all right, fuck me, I guess. And then, then his, <laughs> okay, see, there then is his story. And his skin burns off and he's still walking because he's so manly. He's like, I'm walking into the sun despite the fact that I have no skin. And then he, and he evaporates into dust and ash and ugh. <laughs> I don't know what the there fuck is going on. Story that explained all of that. You just kind of skipped over it. I have a feeling you were like texting while you were watching the movie. I was messaging uh, you. I, I, and I'm like, I was trying to, I was messaging you because I was trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. And then, <laughs> and then they're like, I need, I need to control the thing. And it's like, yeah, it's fine. I lived in a prison or whatever. And I come from here or I designed it or something. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a weird thing. Okay. He's Furian, meaning he comes from a planet named Furia. Um, and boo, there's a. Boo, boo. Then again, why are you booing? Things. It's a dumb Wait, why are you booing Furia? Ah, uh, it's dumb, baby. It's like, it's Fury, because I'm filled with anger. That's just the planet is called Furia. That's just the name of it. Um, so, it's anyway, when, you're going to love this because it goes biblical. Uh, um, there was a prophecy. Of course there was, because everyone has a fucking prophecy. Okay, so the reason... Okay, so uh, after we did Harry Potter, uh, you're like, you hate Chosen Ones, why do you like this? And the reason that Harry Potter works is because J.K. Rowling is like, okay, I want him to be the Chosen One, but A, I'm not going to reveal that until like the fourth uh, book or fifth book, to to the end of the fourth book, and then I'm going to spend the entirety of the fifth book making fun of psychics and prophecies. So Harry Potter is like was the chosen one because he he chose to face Voldemort, and if he didn't, then like someone else would have done it. Probably Neville. 
right? And and okay. uh, and the Matrix one works because it's the, the chosen one is Neo, but it's the things and it's the people that took Harry Potter and uh, Harry Potter for being the chosen one and made every single person the chosen one, including fucking Spider Man, because the point of him is that he's not the chosen one; he's an average douchebag with fuckface that gets fire powers and then becomes a hero. That's the point. <laughs> okay, so by that logic, you should be fine with Star Wars because the Chosen One wasn't wasn't a prophecy until the fourth movie. Because if you don't go chronological, if you go in the order they came out, you have the original trilogy, three movies without a prophecy, and then in the prequels, you get the prophecy. Yeah, but like, here's the thing though: Luke Skywalker yeah. being uh, Darth Vader's father doesn't change. Doesn't like other way around. Darth Vader being Luke Skywalker. Fuck me, man. So Darth Vader (laughs) is Luke's father. Yeah. Uh, And and we don't know that until the second one. And by that time, he's already decided to be uh, a hero and join the rebels. Yay, rebel scum. And then uh, after that, uh, he's... And then there's... And then the prequels have chosen one thing. It's really, really fucking stupid. Yeah, but like you said, it doesn't happen until halfway through. No, but so not, it's not like it happened not, from the beginning. That's not it. Star Wars. But, but it happened with, with. It's really stupid. It's always stupid. <laughs> it was stupid in Harry Potter too. You didn't need it in Harry Potter. You didn't need it. In, you probably need it in the Matrix, but you didn't need it in Harry Potter. You didn't need it for yeah. fucking Spider Man, and you didn't need it for Chronicles of Riddick. Just have them do things. Well, okay. So in Chronicles of Riddick, he's not. He well, he's kind of the chosen one, but not really. There's just a prophecy. He's not really a chosen one. He's not a chosen one because what it is is just a prophecy that one will, and but you don't know who. Any Furian, some Furian is going to kill the um, the Lord Marshal. So the Lord Marshal goes biblical and destroys all Furian males, and then destroys the planet of Furia, and um. But of course, there are a few that survived, as Avatar. always do. Avatar did that same thing because um, in the cartoon, not the movie, the cartoon, right? Oh, the, yeah. Like the new Avatar will be born to the Air Nation and the Fire Nation was like, oh, well then let's just kill them. Fuck yes. it. So they murdered yeah. all of the airbenders. And so they're like, okay, job done. Let's continue ruling. All right, high fives, high fives, high fives. Roast some marshmallows. It'll be great. And <laughs> okay. And um, so for like for a thousand years, the Fire Nation was um, ruling because uh, the Avatar was frozen in ice, and they thought that they murdered everyone. So yeah, fun times. Yeah. So um, okay. So with Riddick, he is the one to kill. You know, that's going to come along and kill him. Um, the the guy that you were talking about that walked into the sun, he was also a Furian. That's why he walked into the sun because he knew that he wasn't gonna be he he knew he was Furian and he knew he wasn't gonna be the one to kill the Lord Marshal. So he was like, "Fuck it, I don't have anything to live for." That's why he walked into the sun. Yeah, but he was so manly that he um, kept then, walking even though he was burnt to death. Well, yeah. So the the reason for that is to show that See, Furians yes. are gonna do what Furians are gonna do. I mean, you can't control Furians. That's why Ethereum is the one that's going to take him down. So, right. but it wasn't a, it wasn't a chosen one. It was just a prophecy that a Ethereum. 
You it was going to be a period prophecy, though. And do you know how I know you didn't need it? Because I didn't know there was a fucking prophecy until you brought it up. Well, you no, just... you did need it because that's the whole reason why the Lord Marshal killed all the Therians, which is why he, which is why Riddick is out there by himself and a man out of, he's kind of a man not without a home. And the reason he's without a home is because the Lord Marshal destroyed it because he of the prophecy that one of these people, one of these men is going to kill you one day. So you kind of do, or else the whole trilogy just kind of falls apart. Because even trilogy? in Pitch Black, which came before this, yes, yeah, so the trilogy. This is the second movie of a trilogy. Oh, wow. Yeah, Pitch Black came before, and then after was Riddick. That's why when you were like, okay, watch Riddick, I'm like, no, watch Chronicles of Riddick, because there is a movie called Riddick. That's the third one. Okay. So um, all three of these movies have to do with the character of Riddick being basically a man without a home. Why does he not have a home planet? And why is he this like fierce character that like this fierce man who's a murderer and he's so bad and blah, 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 but he's not really that bad. Why is he the way that he is? Because of that prophecy, because due to the prophecy, the Lord Marshall destroyed his home and made him pretty much forever homeless. And now he aims or he's aimless, just wandering around the universe. So you kind of do need that prophecy. It holds the whole trilogy together. I mean, I guess I I just am upset that I watched the middle movie of the trilogy and didn't notice. <laughs> but see, it's not it's it. How do I put it? It's a trilogy, but it's not a trilogy in like the Matrix. The way the that the Star Wars movies are a trilogy, uh, it's a trilogy in that it's three movies about one character, and yes, they go together. But you can watch any one movie and not watch the others, and you won't be lost. I mean, I get well, it. Well, Mad Max did the same thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, so yeah, but I I loved the Chronicles of Riddick because Riddick is just so he's so deliciously himself. You know, he gives no fucks. Definitely does like that. Can he yeah. act? That's my question. I've seen him in Fast and Furious. I've seen him in Chronicles of Riddick. I'm like, are you an actor? <laughs> yes, he is um watch a man apart or okay. well not boiler room that's not very good a man <laughs> apart is probably a better one all right um yeah oh and also saving private ryan he was in that yes that was his first major role okay. Spielberg picked him out personally for that role cool so yes he can't act he just chooses, he chooses not to. He just, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you're horrible it's like uh adam sandler is is apparently really good in uncut gems but like he is it's just you still haven't seen that no because this guy has sandler in it and i have that thing that's like uh no but you said you wanted to see it because i explained that it's a very uncomfortable movie where you're watching a man basically destroy himself and you're like oh i love that i do i want to see that and i didn't say that quite that enthusiastically um well you kind of did i kind of did i really want to see it um so yeah so vin diesel is in this and and he and he does things and he swings like Tarzan on things and he does so all the stuff and he does he does do all the stuff and it just yes oh, support so he, he, he runs in the sun right and this guy just remember a couple of minutes ago when I said that this guy burnt to death by the sun he pours water on himself because that'll work and he runs into the <laughs> sun and saves his girlfriend I think or sister I don't know I can't remember um, okay, so the so fact that you don't understand the relationship between he and her 
is because you didn't watch the movie that came before, which is called Pitch Black. Whose fault is that? She's neither. Huh? Whose fault is that? So, um, so he, he pours, <laughs> he pours water on himself and the, the tiny bit of water starts evaporating. He's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta fight the sun. We'll fight the sun and get to her, and then he runs, and then he okay. grabs it. He grabs on the, he grabs on the thing. He is part black. We have more melanin. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> True. To be fair, you know, when you're part black, we have more melanin. We can handle the sun better. Um, no, <laughs> the reason it's not the sun itself that was killing people. Um, gotta explain it. On this planet, there's a four thousand degree difference between night and day. Oh, that's night, rubbish. Like if you're in the night, it's well, it's just like on the moon. Oh. <laughs> But if you're on the if you're on the dark side, then it's like way too cold. You freeze to death. If you're on the sun side, it's way too hot. You'll you know become ashes. Explode. Um, yeah. Um, but if you're in the middle, there's this buffer zone between the sun and the dark, between the light and the dark, where it's like a regular day, but like a hundred degree day. But you're not gonna internally combust. And they're trying to run to a ship. To them, but they're trying to stay, to stay perfectly in this zone. And the problem is that there's a woman with him who couldn't quite make it up. The, they're going up a mountain and they're like free climbing up this mountain. And he makes it to the top, but she makes it three fourths of the way and the sun is almost there. So the buffer zone that they're in is almost out. It's, all, it's, go, it's kept moving because, you know, obviously the sun travels. And so they're supposed to stay with the sun, but they got, they're behind because they're in climb and she's not going to make it. So yeah, he pours the water over himself to grab her and he ends up pulling her in just as the actual full impact of the sun gets there. But by then they're on the, they're in the rock. So they're okay. I mean, realistically, they'd still be dead because the heat hit outside. So it's At like some when, point, when the sun gets outside, it's going to just be hotter inside, but whatever. I think that at some point, uh, maybe on by page three, they didn't give a fuck about realism. <laughs> okay, go watch Pitch Black. <laughs> the alien ghosts. Uh, okay, so quick, um, the quick thing of who she is in Pitch Black. There, um, too long didn't watch is there or a bunch of people. They end up getting down to just a few of them. They're on this planet um, that is in. Um, that is in daytime, it's like super sunny. There's like three suns. Well, as soon as the night comes, all these creatures are gonna come out. And of course the creatures are now out because at this point it's pitch black. And um, Riddick is leading this like small caravan of people to the ship um, because they were out too long before they could get back. They didn't realize the sun was gonna come. The sun was gonna go down so fast. Basically it's an eclipse. Um, and so during this eclipse, like the eclipse only lasts for like a month, but all these creatures kill everything because these are they're nighttime people. Um, so they have to get to back to their ship so that they can get off this planet because everything is about to be destroyed on this planet once the nighttime comes. But of course they don't make it to the ship before the night before the sun goes down because the sun goes down instead of going down in the normal situation where like you have several hours, it goes down in like ten minutes. So it's like, oh, they're fucked. They're halfway there. How are they gonna make it? So Riddick has to lead the team. On the team is um, it's a bunch of people. One person is a teenager named Jack. Everybody assumed Jack was a boy. And then Jack ends up getting cut. 
and Riddick is like, you know, there's no way I circled around to give time. There's no way we're going to make it to that hill, especially with the girl bleeding. And there's only, at this point, there's only one female left. And she's like, I'm not bleeding. And he's like, not her, her. And Riddick was the one who realized that Jack was a girl because she had shaved her head and she was pretending to be a boy. Seems cliche. If everybody thought I was a boy, it would work. And so long story short, Riddick saved their lives. Only three people get off that planet. Um, one is the Imam that you see in Chronicles of Riddick. One is Riddick himself and the other is Jack, who ends up becoming Kira. So that's who she is to him. She's not really a sister or anybody. She's just the one person that he kind of almost allowed himself to care about a little bit. Okay. So, <laughs> that's who she is. All right. I know. You know. I can tell in your voice. You're like, I'm exhausted. I don't care. <laughs> Both those things. Uh, is there anything else? Do we miss it? No, any? that's it. Um, okay, good. The, but I, I do just want to point out, there is there is a series or a, a movie. I guess you could say a series. There's a series. There's a trilogy that is not mentioned. Well, it was mentioned, but it's not on my list of favorite movies. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this. Part of it is I just want, I love talking about movies. So I want to talk about movies. And of course, you know, I want to talk about my favorite movies. Um, but I think everybody assumes that I'm this giant raging Star Wars fan. I mean, you are. Nah, not one of my favorite movies. I've just seen all of them. And I've been, I've gone down the Star Wars rabbit hole, but I don't put it in my favorites. Sorry. Marvel has three movies that are in my favorites, but I don't have a single Star Wars movie. In so yeah welcome to your in this concludes your introduction to me <laughs> uh that's i just want to fun. say you have fun editing this because this has been a long ride yeah it's it's been about two hours it's it's gonna be fine um okay. it's your birthday fuck it <laughs> thank you by the way it actually is my birthday today when this airs like in, in real <laughs> life no because we shoot this ahead of time but by the time not like just it, it leak this part and on it's my birthday today because it actually will be happy birthday woo I'll add a cake woo I'm gonna go watch a movie like I literally <laughs> always do but this time <laughs> with chocolate I don't like chocolate oh well you're fucked I wouldn't uh, yeah I wouldn't eat chocolate unless the, the only reason I would eat chocolate is if like it's the only food and I'm starving I don't like chocolate at all and I'm the weird one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Glad we've clarified that. <laughs> that was fun. Enjoy your birthday. Oh, thank you. Follow us on all the things. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. One of us will be there. Which one? It's a mystery. Links in the description. Until next time. Goodbye. Peace.